0: we're recording here on wednesday it's about eight o'clock uh, i got Cavs celtics on my tv in the background right now i got mitch in my foreground right here with me uh here to just you know talk about really the whole league there's not really one main topic for this episode we're about five six games in and i just want to talk about you know some takeaways that i have i know mitch has a ton of takeaways from this first week or two of games so uh let's just jump right into it how you doing mitch
1: Oh, I'm just doing dandy. I'm I'm, I'm loving everything about the season so far. All the fresh faces wearing new jerseys. It's just such a treat.
0: Yeah, it's been great. I think uh, what I've liked so far about this early part of the season is how many like, you know, with all the big trades over the summer and stuff, there's just so many like seemingly new teams to watch. Just like you talk about like the Timberwolves, the Hawks. I mean, but you go around the league, basically every single team has something really new, really dynamic coming to their team. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So I I think we should probably start first with just everything going on with the Nets. That's probably the biggest thing going on just around the league right now. Uh, Steve Nash is gone, and it looks like they're bringing in Ime Udoka. Now, my initial reaction to this news was, wow, the Nets are down bad right now. Just bringing in the only person in the league who's suspended from coaching right now. Um, I I mean, I think on paper it's a really good hire because Ime is a great coach, and I think he could unbitch Ben Simmons incredibly fast if it like if it works out, but uh, yeah, does it? It's not a great look for the Nets right now.
1: So Nash having his little temper tantrum on the court, um, <laughs> I think, I think things were brewing for a little bit, yeah. And that night he knew his ass was grass and it was about to be mowed by the front office. So I think he knew he was on the way out. I think that's a great way to go out, um, you know, showing that you have the energy and the passion. My only issue I have with firing Steve Nash, because guess what? He, he did have suspect rotations. He wasn't the greatest coach out there. Uh, at one point last year, he was the worst coach in the league, and I will wholeheartedly stand by that uh, take. Okay. You, you may have gotten rid of your coach, but you're bringing in the man who's under extreme scrutiny and speculation and controversy right now, who you have no idea if Kyrie will even begin to respect him
0: um that goes with anybody though
1: yeah but especially udoka because my main issue with because kd kd has been vocal that you know he respects the schemes he respects everything about it mm-hmm. Kyrie has been sort of a He's you know a coach Kyrie. killer yeah in terms of that shit so i don't know how that's gonna work i also don't know he might unbitch ben simmons ben simmons might just be like you're giving me criticism
0: but, yeah, it could like, work in their in the reverse too. I'm not sure. So
1: I'm really interested to see how it happens. One thing I I, I do know is um, Brooklyn's gonna need to make a trade by the deadline to just bring in a defensive wing. Um, defensive
0: wing. How about how about a real center? That's a real center,
1: Claxton.
0: Claxton. Look, I like. I think Claxton is a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's but not man, a if playoff. We're talking about your center. only legitimate player that you could put at the five, you're not gonna win a playoff series like that. It's just not gonna happen.
1: The only issue I have with that, though, is that, like, you gotta. So, like, Cam Thomas, great example of a guy that's movable. Cam Thomas, Joe Harris, and a pick. Uh, Like, does that land you a quality center? Kinda. I don't know who would be available. Like, you could go get Mobamba, because I'm sure Orlando doesn't give two fucks about him right now. Right. Um, You, Ken Birch. There we go. There's another
0: rotational guy. But, like, what about Clint Capella? You think he's movable? We'll get to the Hawks for sure at some point. Clint,
1: but... Clint I, cl- I think Clint's expendable.
0: I think Clint, Clint, I think he could be on the way out in Atlanta. But uh, I don't think Atlanta makes that move. It, it has yeah, to I don't be... know if that package makes sense for them, but I do feel like Clint's kind of on the way out. But yeah, I mean, I, I think they could definitely use another defensive wing, but I think Ben Simmons has also not been the defender that we know he can be. So I think him and Royce O'Neal, you know, that, that's two guys that you can legitimately rely on mm-hmm. to defend. I, I think what they really need is someone. That can actually like go up against an Embiid or a Horford and Rob Williams or Jared Allen and Mobley, something like that. Because no,
1: like a precious Satura, you know
0: exactly, right? <laughs> so, they, yeah, the, the Nets are just really thin in the front court, both in the terms of depth and actual size. So that is like really the most pressing thing in my eyes. Mm-hmm.
1: I think as soon as Brooklyn makes that midseason move, because I think there's a bunch of teams low key that are primed for a midseason move. I mm-hmm. think they're one of them, um, mostly because they have like. They've got like a Seth Curry, a Joe Harris, a Cam Thomas that they could just package together and mm-hmm. get good value out of it. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, uh, Boston allowing that allowing Adoka to just walk without compensation from Brooklyn is interesting to me. I assume yeah. they'd want at least like a second rounder or something for him, considering he is under
0: contract still. Well, two things to that. One, I don't even know if that what picks the Nets have to to trade. But I think it goes to show that even though the Celtics gave him that one year suspension, it was pretty understood he wasn't going to come back. Yeah. Like the Celtics you know, I, weren't going to yeah. bring him back. So I, I think, you know, it's sort of like from the Celtics' eyes, it lets them sort of just wipe their hands clean of this whole thing, just sending him off to a different team. And now, you know, because I, there was a lot of speculation about if, you know, that one year suspension comes and, or like it, it ends and the Celtics fire him, it could be a, becomes like a legal mess. And so I think the Celtics are just wiping their hands clean saying, Mm -hmm. you know, we weren't going to bring it back anyway. Like, let's just get rid of this problem essentially. Yeah. But it is, it is sort of a weird look though. Yeah.
1: I'm probably going to start talking about uh, like, I'll, I'll, I'll ramble a bit about Boston, but I'm, I'm really liking what's going on with Brown and Tatum. This is sort of what it feels to me is that, They've reached a point where their like cohesiveness and synergy is sort of unspoken. Mm-hmm. Last year there was like this power dynamic where it was just like, oh fuck, like who's stepping up when? Right. This year to start because we're only six games in, but to start the season they look locked in at, and and in defined roles. I yeah. think Boston has sort of like um, I don't know where the best way like to put. The, the pecking like, order
0: has been established.
1: The pecking order. I think the best uh, example of that was the Heat game. Um you had Tatum and Brown go for 29 and 28, 20, 30. They went, they went for like, they basically had like a very symmetrical stat line. It was like 29 yeah, points for assists, five assist rebounds, three, yeah. 28 points, three rebounds four whatever. It was like a really like punch for punch kind of thing. Um, I'm not going to talk about Brogdon yet. Uh, Cause you know, it's been a little up and down. Yeah. A little up and down, but I, I just like seeing, seeing the Jays be able to, just click without worrying about a power dynamic like shift or difference it has been a really refreshing saying.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think like it's been pretty well established just from like a fan perspective that Tatum is the better player for quite a while now, but it it is a different dynamic when you're talking about the actual players on the team. And you look back to last season, like Tatum was putting up big numbers, but he was a black hole. Like he was far and away leading the league in like shot attempts for the first couple weeks of the year last year. Meanwhile, Jalen Brown for the first month was shooting like 71% or something crazy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there was sort of like a a weird dynamic and it wasn't really established. It felt like that, you know, Tatum was the clear uh, number one offensive option. And yeah, I think we saw it in that second half of last season. And now it's, it's carried over now where everyone understands who's who on this team. Yeah. As far as Brogdon goes, like it, it will have to see come playoff time, like how good he's actually going to be. But I think so far he's proven that he is the right fit in terms of like what his skill set actually is. It makes sense with this roster at mesh as well. It's a it's a, a really like a needed addition.
1: Yeah. It's funny, the way the league is shaped up right now, it's really early again, but we're we're, we're it's almost like we're back in like 17 for the East. You've got Bucks, Cavs, Celtics, and Raptors as the top seeds right now. And and, yeah. and, and the identity of their teams look very eerily similar. Toronto has been playing death by attrition. They're grinding you out. They're doing transition. They're playing very slowly. Boston has been doing their defensive lock you down. And then our two stars are, well, you know, Hayward and Kyrie at the time, <laughs> right, Brown right. and Tatum are going off the Cavs, It's almost like they got their LeBron back and Donovan Mitchell. They're supernova <clears throat> offensive play. I'm not saying to the same. I'm just saying the Cavs
0: one is a stretch, but yeah, in the, general, they, they, yeah. they
1: have that mall, that marquee player who is just, Right. Fucking going off. And then your Bucks, you've you've got Giannis who's the slow and steady, but now you've got Drew stepping up too. So it's weird to see this kind of like back track to like mm-hmm. how the the like it sifted out. Um teams though, I, I kinda wanna talk about the Cavs first. The Cavs, holy shit.
0: Cavs have been so fun, man.
1: They have been entertaining and dominating at the right. same time. Donovan Mitchell for, so you know what? I'll be completely honest with you. I was a dejector from Donovan Mitchell last year. I I said, I
0: got to raise my hand as was I,
1: I said that he is for, there there were some, I'm not going to name names. There was, there was a couple individuals who were labeling him a superstar. And I said, he would have to be the most one-sided limited superstar in the entire league. If that was the definition of a superstar, he's an offensive supernova. Don't get me wrong. And last year he had, Like no fucking vision, no ability to like lock in on defense. He was just a black hole who was like, I'm hunting for my shot. He has like almost flipped the script for me in a clear, in a, in a Cavs uniform. Yeah. He has been locked in defensively. He's showing actual effort. He, and partially because Darius Garland's gone, but he's been such a steady ball handler and playmaker. Like, He's making reads and hitting rollers that I'm like, what the fuck? Like, Jared yeah, he, Allen is a skilled play finisher. Like, don't get me wrong. Jared Allen should get the credit for a lot of these. But he's hitting him on little pocket passes, on little bounces, on interior throw. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, Donovan Mitchell has already made three, like, really nice uh, passes in this game that I'm watching right now. And it, the second quarter just started. Like, he's – and, you know, you talk about the defense, too. Like, I, I I still feel like he's capable of a little bit more. And I think, uh, you know, as Garland works back, um, we'll see more effort from from. Donovan Mitchell on defense, but yeah, I mean he's been he's been basically everything I could have asked from him based on like all the criticism I had from him over the offseason. So yeah, yeah. He, he's been great. The whole team has been playing really well. Dean Wade, Kevin Love shooting the lights out. Um Isaac Coro, though, not someone who has really even cracked much of the rotation. And it's kind of his future is looking pretty bleak right now.
1: The Cavs are a legit small forward away from being the favorites to come out of the east
0: yeah like he he should be what they need
1: the unfortunate thing is is that i like i can't speak for um like what actually goes on behind the scenes for his development because i'm <laughs> sure you know like to be in a weird like pecking order uh with something nasty just
0: happened yeah tatum just swatted the shit like Love at the room so. ah
1: uh, <laughs> yeah oh kevin love yeah yeah oh
0: no nah, oh, it was it was a nice block it was love, a nice, was up, a yeah, nice was. fucking block
1: you know what speaking of nice blocks maxi getting his ass pinned by a coloco
0: oh oh i did I
1: didn't that see was that. such it was a two-handed fucking the ball stopped all pinned, momentum, oh man maxi just like fell back and coloco like looked down at him and i was like shit dog." yeah
0: okay honestly um, i haven't watched a lot of the raptors like i haven't like sat down and tuned into a raptors game it's just i've only seen them just like flipping through a league pass hmm. so let's yeah, let's get the raptors out of the way here so just Go off about the Raptors for me because I haven't seen much other than uh, so I know Pascal's hooping.
1: Pascal's been hooping, he's putting up uh 26, 10, and seven right now. Um, it. I'm pretty sure it's like a crazy true shooting percentage, too. The last time I checked, it was like 57%. Um, he's railing. Uh oh, no, it is. Yeah, he's shooting 41% from three too to start the season. Damn, yeah, he's it's, cooking. It's it's actually crazy. So here's like this: this is the funniest part about the Raptors. Um as of right now, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven guys in double figures scoring right now. Yeah. Um, Boucher, Van Vliet, OG, Scotty, Trent, Siakam, and oh, sorry, Achu is not quite there yet. Basically, everybody's pouring in, and Pascal's looking like an alpha. Here is the most hilarious part, though. So far to start the season, Toronto's half court offense has been in the bottom five of the entire league. The transition offense, has been number one. The transition sounds, force sounds turnovers has been number one. The yeah. transition steals has been number one. The transition, like everything transition based has been number one. I think some of hovering around there, but um, it's been led by and part, mostly of Gary Trent Jr. And Pascal uh, Gary Trent Jr. is flying so under the radar as just like this pure bucket getter. It's fucking crazy. He's averaging 20 right now. And uh, which, first of all, I fucking called it. I said last year I was like, Gary Trent Jr. is capable of being a twenty points per game player. I remember Not a, that. Not a single person in the Talking Hoops group chat said yes. Not a single person. I I think 20. I
0: said I think I said he's like a sixteen to eighteen guy. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll mm-hmm. see.
1: Anyways, he's like he's literally pitching in like basically nothing else, like two boards and assists and a steal.
0: Yeah, right. He's um, just getting
1: buckets. It is just getting buckets. The revelation is Scotty and OG have been. So so OG definitively has been the best wing defender in the league so far. Like and it's and it's like a, a stamp. Like I will put my fucking signature behind that one. And Scotty has been like low key the second best roamer in the entire league right now. Like Giannis and Lopez are the best at rim defenders right now in the league. Yeah. Just as a duo. Yeah. But sure. as as wing defenders, Scotty and OG are just fucking nasty. Like, ah my god. It was the Hawks game where so Deshante thinks he can cook by OG. OG strips his ass for a fast break dunk. <laughs> Delon Wright comes back down. OG strips his ass again. Damn. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Jesus Christ." Like OG had six steals, I think. Wow. 6 6 or whatever whatever number it was. Uh District's graphic had him like crunched in the corner as the most steals in the game. But it was like all of it was just like somebody tries to bully past him and that extra weight he put on, he just Give that fucking body. yeah
0: he look you can tell he put on the weight too like he looks way his, more like solid his
1: shoulders oh yeah
0: yeah his upper body looks huge now um he's already yeah, like a really strong guy so now he like was, he's basically now a power he's got forward.
1: like a he's basically a power forward he's got like the wiggle too which is like awesome the craziest part um and like i just guess 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 how many Ra- raptors players right now are shooting above 35 percent from three
0: uh give me seven
1: seven exactly let's go og van vliet trent uh pascal scotty chris and malachi have all been railing in threes chris boucher oh chris boucher okay anyways um the scariest part is scotty who's taking more and making more threes Mm -hmm. it's it's it is concerning because it's like Every the, the biggest the biggest thing was like ah oh shit man his 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 three ball and his jumper are gonna have to come along way slower. The fact that his jumpers looks like this already is like oh my god yeah like, this is crazy.
0: Yeah I'm my really... uh my prediction that Cade Scotty and Mobley would take big second year leaps is looking pretty damn good so far. I think Cade had like twenty seven seven and six last night.
1: Yeah. The other thing about Scotty and this is the thing that like gets me really giddy about it. It's like. He hasn't even had like a super like aggressive night, and I'm pretty sure it was. Um, oh my god, how many nights ago was it? Uh, like oh, when
0: he had 27?
1: Yeah, like he had 27 just a couple nights ago. He had 21, eight, and seven. Right now, in seven minutes in the first, he's got 11, one, and two. Like he's already chipped in 11 points tonight in six minutes. Yeah, i um, love
0: to see it. Yeah, the aggression or, really feels like the thing for him because even as a rookie, like he was a capable scorer. You just felt like he wasn't aggressive enough with the ball in his hands. But now we're starting yeah. to see that both as a score and as a playmaker, I feel like point Scotty could be a real thing that we see this season. Cause I feel like they kind of teased it last year, but we could see it like full time this year.
1: Yeah. The other thing, the thing that's like really hilarious to me about the Raptors is that people now are back on the Pascal bandwagon. Yeah, They, they went from being like, nah, he's fucking dog ass. He's not out of the top 50 now. Like, you know, he's, low a superstar like he's low-key yeah and all it NBA was players. not like,
0: it was not that long ago when you came on this podcast complaining about i think it was you maybe it was carter but complaining about the pascal john collins comparisons the the,
1: the because that was a real fact,
0: thing for some reason that yeah, was a real thing at one point john.
1: i i remember somebody who had the audacity and i won't name names in the talking hoops group chat to say that pascal is just a john collins that gets paid more and is from cameroon and i was like crazy i was like i was like okay Show me, show me the John Collins tape that you see, because yeah, don't get me wrong, John Collins has been great for Atlanta this year. Like it's still early, but he's been great. Um, he is not even the same in, in the same echelon as Pascal, which is absolutely hilarious to me that some people genuinely believed that. They were like the when people were like, Yeah, Jeremy Grant or Pascal, I was like, What?
0: Oh my god, I was like, What? That is nasty work.
1: I, I was like, What are you saying?
0: That is or nasty Harrison
1: work. Barnes and Pascal. And I'm like, oh what my fuck? god. Yeah. Um, but large and large, I think the Raptors have uh are one of the teams primed to make a midseason trade. Um <laughs> I think you know it, it see nobody is gen- like nobody is genuinely untouchable, but as Scotty goes as as his vision progresses. As we see Van Vliet become more and more of a uh like stoic figure in terms of the one, I think we start seeing, you know, Van Vliet gets a do not play here and there. Van Vliet gets a rest as we get closer to the uh trade deadline because I'm I'm not gonna be like a little negative Nancy and say that Van Vliet's not a huge part of the team, but I'm not gonna stand here and be like it's not like Scotty can't just slide into that role either. Um scotty pg you you, like we did tease it last year but i think it's like could be a legit uh could be a legit thing once we get to the all-star break
0: yeah i think the the only issue if you were to trade van vliet you would definitely need to get a ball handler back because you know i do think scotty could be basically a full-time point guard if they wanted him to Mm -hmm. but even with van vliet there are a lot of nights where the half court like you said i mean the, the raptors rank number one in all the transition stats but their half-court offense gets kind of stinky sometimes. So I think you would definitely have to trade him for a creator. But I think, yeah, the idea of trading Van Vliet should not be off the table for sure.
1: Yeah. I think another team that could benefit from a midseason trade, and this is just like speculation because I don't think like a lot of these teams need to make a midseason trade. Um, I think the Hawks need to really figure out, can we get back some shooting? Can we move on from Clint? Can we do anything to really bolster this unit because while DeJounte Murray is not the oldest man on the planet, he's also in the cusp of his prime right now. Like, like what, what we're what we're getting right now is DeJounte Murray's prime. Mm-hmm. And Trey is approaching that. He's not there yet. He's still got a couple of years before he like really hits his stride. But it would be a huge disservice to like everything about their their identity as a team if you just didn't at least try to make like a nice top six finish this year. Right. And you and you didn't do that because you held on to Clint Capella.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think a, a playing appearance would definitely be a disappointment for the Hawks. Uh, and yeah, I I feel like if, if the Hawks are to make a move, I feel like Clint is the guy because Okonwoo's look great. I think he could definitely slide into a starting center role. I think John Collins has proved that at least in small stretches in the regular season, he can play some small ball five. It's definitely not his ideal role,
1: yeah.
0: Um, but I I think the Hawks have the bodies to like in the front court to move on from Capella. And it feels like they could, like you said, they could really use some shooting because they went from last year being a top three, three point shooting team and, you know, a bottom three defense to now being a pretty solid on defense, but also terrible shooting the ball. So, there needs is a little bit of an overcorrection in terms of you know bringing in Dejounte, and I think not that Kwangwu is like the greatest floor spacer in the world or anything, but I think getting Capella out of there could clear things up for them, sort of space out the floor. And the fact that Kwangwu like, like will
1: even attempt some right shots, is exactly,
0: yeah, he at least has the threat of a jump shot. We know Capella is entirely rimbound. so yeah, I, I think you know, like you said, with with Trey soon to enter his prime, Dejounte currently in his prime capella i believe he's what 30 right maybe 31 now yeah somewhere around there. yeah i think now is the time and i think he should have some value you know i mean you talk about a team like the nets i don't know what a package would look like but you know there are teams out there that could use they could use a center yeah that's definitely a team i'm gonna look out for i think bogey could be on the block too just feels like his role just kind of has been diminished Mm -hmm. and it feels like i mean he makes like 16 17 mil so i don't know what value he has on the market but um, I think him and Capella could definitely net you something, and for the Hawks, it should probably be wing shooting. Yeah. But what other teams do you have in mind for uh, midseason trades? Uh,
1: there's, like, honestly, if like if Cleveland can find a small forward, great. I just don't think that there's the market for a three is, like, up there right now. Um, I'd honestly, like, I want – and I know this is going to be beating a dead horse. I want Charlotte to fucking just actually pull the trigger and commit to what an actual tank should be. None of this weird treading water bullshit.
0: Because, yeah, they've been treading water now for four or five years.
1: Yeah, because as long as you actively like, don't get me wrong. Terry is a is an outstanding guy to watch. Mm-hmm. And I I absolutely love him and Lamello. They're like high oxygen, <coughs> They're fun. The unfortunate part about that is, though, is you're not going to lose more games than the Pistons, the Magic, OKC, uh, and you're not going to win more games than like, 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 basically you're competing to lose more than the Rockets, the Kings, the Jazz, the Magic, the Pistons and the Pacers are even going to be like
0: Spurs out there on there, too.
1: Yeah, I fucking Spurs was the second team I said. Oh, sorry. But like, those are the teams where you're like, oh man, like if, 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 if you really want to compete for Victor, move on Hayward to move on Rozier. Yeah. Play, play McDaniels and PJ Washington the, uh, out of your mind, like play as many minutes as they possibly can. Like I would honestly, I would go into games and be like, all right, Bone Knight, Oubre, Washington, Mark Williams, have some minutes. Dennis Smith Jr. Run the unit. Yeah.
0: Why has Mark Williams not played? Why is. I mean, I think Nick Richards has played well, but why is Mark Williams not getting minutes?
1: I think the fact that they give Mason Plumley so many fucking minutes that, yeah, Mark that should go to Mark Williams is is hilarious. They have the tank commander Teo Maladin on their team, and he they plays. just don't. But like, they if they want a tank, play him thirty eight minutes.
0: Yeah, play him. They, play Dennis Smith yeah. Jr.
1: Ubre. Like,
0: dude, hey, Dennis Smith Jr. has been hooping, man. He might, he's he been, might lead you to thirty two minutes. Hey,
1: runs. hey, he 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 been hooping, but but you put him on the court with Teo Maladin and fucking yeah. like, I, you know what? I like Mark Williams a lot. I'm actually disappointed in as, as fuck that they kept Hayward right now. Um, even if he's not going to be touching the court for, you know, more than 30 games a year, <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, like, still, it's those kinds of teams. Um, I'd like to say, I want Washington to like commit to something. Cause like they're, they're super entertaining to watch, but it just feels like, and D being wasted. Hashimura is being wa- wasted. They fucking have like, they still have Corey Kispert who nobody talks about who's could be like the dead eye that teams pick up. Mm-hmm. Like his floor is like a contributor and right. his ceiling is not very high, but I don't know in terms of the West teams. Like I kind of want to see, I feel really bad for the Spurs because Primo was like such a promising player, but you know, if you whip your dick out, you, you <laughs> probably should get punished. Uh, you know, Adoka <laughs> has been on that receiving end already. So we know how it works. That'll be the first move. They'll sign as soon as he gets into Brooklyn. They'll be like, yeah, all right, we're bringing in Josh, Josh Primo. Um, I kind of want to see the Clippers to figure some shit out because they have been stinky. Yeah, let's talk they about the Clippers been a little fucking bit. Man. Stinky.
0: Yeah. Clippers, histor- well, when I say historically, I mean like this Kawhi PG era, um, heavy three point shooting team. Like, wh- not only in terms of volume, but percentage wise, like, arguably the best three point shooting team in the league. So far this season, they've been just bad, like just not shooting the ball well at all. Uh, Kawhi obviously has only played like fifty-six minutes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, they have not looked good. Of course, I made a post talking about are they the championship favorites, and they look like dog shit right now. Mm
1: -hmm. My issue is, is that um, so? Like, I'll uh, a couple of games I'll use for example. So the Timberwolves game, you basically had John Wall going off, like. Dude had like 20, I think, in like 20 minutes. Like he was like he was actually blistering, was not getting anybody involved at all. Yeah. PG and Kawhi, I think only played combined like 40 minutes. It was it was a rough game. But like the 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 Nuggets game. Nuggets game is another great example because Paul George had two fucking points. Paul George had two points. <laughs> Roman Powell had 34. Paul George had two. If you're getting outscored by Batum by Morris, by Boston Jr., by Kennard, like... Kennard? I like saying Kennard. It's way better. <laughs> but, like, like it just feels like PG has, like... Oh, my God. Okay. He had, he had a really, really, really solid fucking game. Alright? He had one solid game on the season. I'll give him that. I will give him the entirety of, like, here's your roses, here's your flowers. But if you're... Scraping Bry against the Rockets. Like yeah. dude. Yeah, he there, had to go
0: hero mode at the end of the Rockets. There is
1: a problem with yeah. your team. If you have to go 35, 8, and 9 to beat Houston, who was actively deploying lineups of like Kevin Martin, and I, I think that I think the lineup that I saw the most, and I just tuned in a little bit, was like Terry Eason, Matthews, Martin, Green, and Sengud And I was like, Sengud And I was like, this is awesome but what the fuck is happening? How are they winning? Yeah. Like, oh my God. Yeah,
0: some, something is definitely not right with the Clippers right now. I don't feel like I've watched them enough to have like a really strong take on it, but some, something is off offensively. I still think, you know, with the amount of depth they have that over the course of the regular season, they're going to accumulate wins. But yeah, there's something off with the Clippers for sure.
1: I think they have too much talent to be puddling around like they are. Like they, they, they right. should honestly have um like a little bit more in the tank for it. Yeah, Um,
0: yeah. I I think things will click, but yeah, it's going to take some time. We got to take a quick break, but then when we come back, I want to talk about this rookie class because there's been a ton of guys that have been really exciting.
1: mm
0: -hmm. All right, coming back, I want to get to this rookie class because there's just a ton of guys that you know, have really exceeded expectations early on this season. I think there's a lot of guys in my mind that I thought were going to come in and be like pretty early contributors uh, but You know, to the degree that they have been producing, I was not expecting. So let's start with Paolo. uh, Obviously, the number one pick looking like like you said before we started recording, you know, it was pretty understood that he was a a number one pick type of talent, but there wasn't really that much hype about him being like a generational type of player. And so far through five, six games, he looks like he might be that type of guy.
1: Yeah. um, Mr. Bancaro himself has looked uh, almost like he's a context changing talent. Mm hmm. He unfortunately landed on the Orlando Magic, but they're a really fun, entertaining team who have just let him go to work. He has been, to my memory, one of like the four or three rookies to have the 25 5 5 stat line and like the debut kind of thing. Basically, he's a really good fucking player, like really, really really fucking good. He's exactly what I thought he'd be a four, not a five. I knew he wasn't going to play the five. Right. Um, he has looked so comfortable taking jumpers off the dribble, even though he's not hitting a whole lot of his threes either. He's only at like 29% or whatever. They've looked really nice. Like he mm-hmm. looks comfortable. He doesn't comfortable, look forced. Right. exactly. Yeah. The thing with, um, Orlando is, um, they kind of need to figure out, and I don't mean to say this in like a bad way, what fat to trim off the edges, um, yeah. as a team.
0: Yeah, my my take on the magic this off was like that they sneaky had depth, like they had like too many guys that were like deserving of getting minutes for a team that's obviously not very good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Is like where do they sort of like I feel like they need to make the the three for one, the four for one trade, really consolidate the roster.
1: I think right now, um, because like in a hypothetical universe if everyone's ha- healthy, you would run Cole Anthony, Suggs, Franz. Bank Harrow, Wendell Carter Jr.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That would be my go-to like just like a just closing, five. Yeah, closing right. five. Um, if you want to talk about, you know, putting faults in there or whatever, I'm not a huge believer in the bounce back considering injuries have derailed him this far. You can talk about um like John Isaac, maybe. Who yeah. knows?
0: Yeah, who but, knows.
1: But as it stands, your second unit unit is somewhere between like faults, Hampton, Harris, Ross. Uh, Bol Bol Bamba, maybe Isaac. Like, I don't know. You've got well, you got too many, Yeah, you've got like Ukiki or I mean, like is um Caleb Houston still down? That the uh he's, I mean he's summer. on the roster.
0: Yeah, he's he's played a yeah. couple minutes.
1: Um, he's another like six eight forward who's really young. He I think he's only 19, to just to whatever. Like you've got too many guys who you need to take flyers and chances on that just won't get minutes. Because like Terrence Ross can still contribute to a lot of NBA teams. Mobama still has a lot of untapped potential, but Bol, Bol has taken his position basically. E like, in his
0: minutes, just completely taken yeah. his role.
1: So you need to make a con like some sort of trade that you shed three guys, get back either a quality rotation player a Gary Harris level rotation player or you just take a flyer on a young guy. Like
0: Yeah, there, there I, needs to be some consolidation. Go if ahead.
1: I were them, I would sit down with because to be completely honest with you, the two best players on their team are going to be Franz and Paulo. Yeah.
0: Those yeah, are going to yeah, be sure. like as much Those as I like Suggs logs, yeah.
1: as much as I like Suggs and as much as I think he's got some good potential. Um Franz, like honestly, like it like if I'm the front office, I'm sitting the both down and being like what personnel do you like that's currently around you? What do you need more of? And I guarantee you, Vankera and Franz will both say, we like Wendell Carter Jr. He lets us do the things that we do. He doesn't get in our way. We don't like the fact that we don't know who the fuck our point guard is going to be. Right. We have no clue. Because Franz is a great playmaker. Great passer. Got the vision. He works so much better as a scorer. Yeah. He works yeah. so much better as a scorer. And I think he should be their closer. I think he is he's got that motherfucker in him. He's got that dog in him. Mm. I think once once bon- Boncaro gets more comfortable, yeah. But down the like crunch time, if I need a game winning three, I'm giving it to France. Like it's just that's just what I see in him. Now the problem is you have they've had so many different remeditions of lineups because Suggs and Anthony have been out and in and out and in and out. Like I don't know what you e- what you even do at that point. Like I don't I, I can't foresee a trade that just solves other problems immediately. So I, I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know what the answer is. It's not as many extremely talented point guards are as there are in the league. Like, it's hard to find like your your franchise guy, your like clear lead guard. So yeah, I mean, I think the hope is that Suggs develops into that because I think Cole Anthony's destined to just be like a six man microwave scorer type of guy. Uh, But I could see Jalen Suggs having like a a Drew Holiday type of arc where kind of slept on like through the most of his prime and then if he ends up on an actually good team people are going to recognize like oh this is actually really good two-way guard yeah Um, too little
1: too late at that point but
0: yeah i mean yeah i don't know i don't know like how quickly Suggs will figure it out but i definitely think he has the potential to be that type of lead guard that they need
1: Mm -hmm. next i think the next logical guy to talk about and i mean i mean it depends there's been a lot of like low-key good rookies that i was not like expecting to be as good as they are but benedict Mathurin is i think oh. easily the second best yeah player to talk about here yeah like, no, easily. i agree yeah i don't know what to say about indiana they're a confusing team for me
0: they just can't defend like they're honestly not awful but the defense is just it's kind of ugly that's all
1: Does it feel a little bit to you like Duarte's now like yesterday's news?
0: What, because of Matherin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it felt like it was a weird draft pick in my eyes because it was clear that they were at, you know, an organizational crossroad where they were going to turn towards, you know, this rebuild. So I was like, why did you draft like the oldest dude? Like, he's already like 25. Yeah. And so I was confused by the pick, but he had immediate like,
1: like impact potential. They just didn't use, use yeah like the,
0: that. Yeah, impact for what? A, a, a rebuilding team. So, like, yeah, I I, I kind of feel like they understood that he's not, like, a core piece of the future. I mean, I think he actually had, like, a big game against the Nets. I think he had, like, 29. But, uh yeah, it definitely feels like Matherin has taken over as, like, the second guy behind Halliburton, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't, I mean, I guess with a coach like Rick Carlisle, it's not that surprising. But, I mean, how long is it going to take before you just put Matherin in the starting lineup?
1: The fact that he's doing all this off the
0: bench, yeah,
1: is hilarious. I am a little confused as to why they're holding on to Turner and Heald. Just a little,
0: yeah, a little bit confused. Unless it's the Rust trade, it feels like they're not going to get like the type of value that they expect because they've been trying to flip Turner for like a first round pick for four right. and a half years that now. That's like so. literally four years. It's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it feels like. I mean, Miles Turner said it. He literally said it himself. He went on the Woj pod and was like, "Yeah, if I was the Lakers, I would look long and hard about trading for me and Buddy Hill, Basically, is what he said. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's only matter. It feels like it's only a matter of time before that move gets made. But yeah, my guess is that they're waiting on that because they're not going to get the value that they're looking for basically out of out of Turner and Hield. Yeah, from other teams.
1: I mean, <laughs> your boy Naismith's on there still. I don't know what like. The plan is there.
0: I mean, he's just like take a flyer type of guy. I mean, he was, I guess, in theory, like the the best asset they got from the Malcolm Brogdon trade. So they're going to give him some run, and he's looked. I mean, he's looked better than he ever did on the Celtics. So um, I think he could be something. Like he obviously hasn't proven, but I think he could be the same type of player that Duarte is. Um, like if he pans out, which is you know, is just a rotation piece. So I think they're just taking a flyer on him. But yeah, Matherin has been incredible because for, for me, it's, it's like the, the confidence that he's shown in these first like week and a half, like he already sees himself as one of the best players in this league.
1: Yeah. Well, he came in and saying like, I'm better than LeBron. So, right. Like, and he has been, which is the most ironic <laughs> about that whole thing.
0: Um, yeah, I...
1: I I honestly think that is if Indiana wants to commit to an identity, it's going to be give the ball to Matherin and Halliburton and let them go to work.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, they don't really, especially if they do trade Turner and healed, they're pretty devoid of, of offensive talent outside of, uh, Hallie and Matherin. So they really are best suited to just give those guys the ball, see what types of players work around those two guys and just move forward with that. Because Mm -hmm. like, I, I think like the hardcore NBA nerds are like big Isaiah Jackson fans, big like O'Shea Brissett fans, but None of those guys in that Pacers front court Goga Bisdale. Yeah, Goga Bataze like no. <laughs> so yeah, I think it needs to just be entirely ran through their two future core pieces and just figure out what's going to work around them. Yeah. That's what the season should be about for them.
1: On the flip side,
0: absolutely love Keegan Murray. He's a good. I, yeah, I was just me. about to transition to Keegan Murray, yeah. Love Keegan Murray. He's been great. He I definitely thought he was going to be uh like I, I figured he would be one of the favorites for rookie of the year. Um, he seemed like more of an NBA ready talent, and he's been basically to to what I expected him to be. Like I, I think he's sort of he just sort of gives them a different look from what Harrison Barnes gives them. Because on the right night, Harrison Barnes is a really good contributor, but at that forward spot, Keegan is just a lot more dynamic already. And I know the Kings obviously have they're off to a rough start this season, but he has definitely been everything that I was sort of hoping for speaking
1: of rough starts and the opposite of rough starts i think people need to start talking about and fox
0: dude yeah yeah no one is because oh the God. kings are still bad but yeah he's been really good he he's been he's been on a tear
1: 25 6 and
0: 5 63% shooting percentage 39% yeah shooting the, the ball three. shooting the ball much better right. than usual That's that's the mm. biggest thing for me with fox is i mean i actually i think it's probably the defense because i feel like he should be so much better than he is yeah um but yeah the efficiency is the biggest thing because he, I mean, he had one good season uh, shooting the ball, but other than that, he has not been an efficient scorer. And yeah. I feel like that really takes away from his game overall. So, yeah, it's good to see him playing well at the start of the season. Sabonis, so not so much. He's been, he's been okay. He's had a couple of good games, but overall, just I feel like just not great, not not what you traded for. So, yeah, uh, I was about to say, Mathurin Keegan has come in and, and done basically what I expected from him, and the Kings are still bad now the
1: fourth one is kind of like this this one's kind of like suspect because i had a firm believer that so i'm going with jayden ivy is like my my fourth boy i love Jaden ivy mostly because he's just like <sighs> he's got such a nuance of explosiveness in, mm. in midair that yeah. the john moran comparisons kind of don't do it justice like he's got some like real wiggle in the air And it's crazy. I think um, he's the best inside finisher among rookies right now uh, as a guard, which is fucking hilarious because the guys above him are all forwards and centers. Or, well, Ben Caro's not a center. Either way, um, he's looked so poised and, like, next to Cade, it's just awesome because he he seems like he's the kind of player Cade needs next to him, Mm -hmm. somebody who is just, like, in attack mode all the time. I don't think he's got, like, real rookie of the Year odds, but he's still, like... A really entertaining player to watch. um
0: Yeah, yeah I think given that you know Cade's going to dominate the ball as he should. Yeah, he probably won't have just the counting stats to compete with like the first two guys we just talked about. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's probably been you know the best guard. I mean, if you count Mathurin, is more of like a wing, you know, of the rookie class. So yeah, yeah, he he's been really good. And and like you said, he is like that perfect duo, like backcourt mate with Cade because Cade is more of like a I don't know. It's like he's he's not more like, passive. He's more passive. Yeah, he he's more he's not his, game, his game. His yeah. game is more built around like his footwork. Like it's not built on quickness. You know what I mean? And, yeah. Or explosiveness. You know. So and to Ivy brings
1: have someone who changes the pace so much. Exactly. Ivy is so good. Exactly. Um, I've been a little disappointed with the Jabari Smith. Um, just like he's, I, I knew he wouldn't be like the crazy high. Scoring guy mm-hmm. in Houston, just because you've got Jalen Green and Kevin Porter there, and Shen Goon has been quietly super fucking nice too. I I love me watching of Shen Goon because he reminds me so much. And I know this is gonna be a lofty comparison. He's got such a weird herky jerky Hakeem in between with his footwork, like it literally. I, yeah, lo-
0: I mean, it sounds crazy to compare Shen Goon to Hakeem Olajuwon, but you're right though. Like some of the moves he does, like he has some of the it best. It looks like in the he he's league. been in the gym with yeah. Hakeem. It's crazy. It, yeah, it's cool. I mean, he has he has arguably some of the best footwork in the entire league. So yeah, he's a joy to watch, but yeah, the Jabari star has not been totally surprising for me just because I feel like the Rockets are just so, I don't want to say dysfunctional. That's probably a stretch, but like they're just kind of a mess. They're just kind of like a bunch of 19, 20, 21 year olds all wearing the same basketball Jersey, but it doesn't really feel like it's a basketball team. No, they're sort um, of just
1: running around out there. Yeah.
0: It's, it's just a bunch of young dudes running around. And so jabari seems like the type of player like i think he could be elite in this type of role but he definitely feels like a very complimentary type of player mm-hmm. and given that the rockets have no structure it's like what does he compliment it's just kind of unclear right now so i think as the rockets get better as they start to form their identity i think jabari smith's gonna be really good like, I, I think he's shown he has the size he has the tools to to be a really high level contributor on both ends mm-hmm. um, but the rockets just they don't have a lot of strength.
1: I think. I think low key they're gonna be building around Shengun and Green rather than like Green Porter and Jabari. I think Jabari is mm-hmm. gonna be such like a nice steady you think contributor. Sang-Gun has
0: that kind of ceiling?
1: I think Shengun's ceiling is, and I'll, I'm gonna get some like this is gonna be such a. Oh, this is going on. This is going on. Thn, go ahead. <laughs> I'm. I have. like oh it's so hard to say because like he's shown me so much. I have genuine belief that at some point in his career, Shen Goon will be an all-star starter. Mm. Um, I think at 20 wow. years old, at 20 right now, he's putting up 15, 10. Uh, I think he's pouring in a block. Um, I'm not sure what he's shooting from three. I think it's just barely able to league average. But he's in such a limited vacuum. He's putting up 50. He's, he's giving you a double-double with some crazy vision. Like Shen Goon, to yeah, me, he, he makes... Is-
0: at least one or two passes a game that make you like perk up.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing is like, that's what he's doing when he's not even the focal point of an offense. When he's like a tertiary guy, because on the pecking order, he's like the third up there. It's, it's, it's been, it's been weird because I'm like, Dude, imagine this guy in Toronto. Man.
0: Even a third might even be too high because I mean, Jabari, Jabari he has had been Bruno like, Fernando starting a couple of games. Like he hasn't even yeah, really gotten the full. I, I just
1: meant like I just meant like when he's like in the unit. Yeah, yeah, Because like, yeah, he right, runs right. with it. My other thing though is like, could you imagine like if he was like fluent in English? <laughs> the dude like still can't even like
0: like formulate interviews properly. But like this dude is, like, I I think you know, actually would... wait, time off for a second. I think I think you actually just hit on a, a really key point that like has probably never been discussed because yeah you're right to say that his English is definitely kind of broken at this point like I I actually watched one of his interviews uh from right before the start of the season and he had a translator with him yeah um so and I do think that it it could I mean it's everything's like case by case but I do think that that type of thing could actually be influencing like sort of his role in the team uh, especially because it's a team full of like young guys, and like no one's really like obviously Jalen Green is like the guy there, but no one's really established who's who there. And I feel like the fact that you know he probably doesn't communicate that much with his teammates, he's probably not very outspoken. Like that probably factors into what his role is with this team.
1: Here's what uh, a lot of people do not so for summer league, uh, and just for some of like the fun mess around scrimmages they did at the combine, mm-hmm. Shen Goon. Didn't understand a single call being played. Didn't didn't get a single heads up from anybody. Yeah. All of the things that he did was just off of instinct in the moment. Right, yeah, I he remember played, hearing about this, yeah. He 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 played 33 minutes, went like 18, 9, and 6, shot 100% from 3, all off of pure instinct and just reacting to what's happening on the court.
0: Yeah, zero communication with anybody. Now, <laughs> yeah. now
1: you give that guy... Uh, like like by the time he's like twenty four and like can understand English and formulate sentences because he's getting there like he's like trying
0: yeah he can speak English yeah, he's not really like conversational
1: though yeah you give that guy a a, a scheme built around what he can do you're gonna see like twenty four ten and four like he's I just, gonna the, be my that issue guy. with
0: like the all star starter predictions is like I just think he's he's very limited on defense he'll get he might be averaging a block a game but it's hard to see the path towards him being like a, a contributing defender.
1: Yeah. I mean, people were riding Carl anthony Towns for the exact same flashes of offensive production, and then
0: he was a pylon for the first three years of his career. He's gotten better. Yeah. I mean, but I, hold on. he was a pylon and, and then, then he's, you know, what is he now? I mean, account? he's a
1: pylon with wheels on it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, here's my
1: thing. For all of I, I honestly, I, I hate this take, but I've seen Timberwolves fans say this so much that he's a really good wing defender. Oh man. for the perimeter, and I'm like, dude, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm truly sorry, but like, if you genuinely think, if you think just because people are afraid to go into the paint next to Rudy Gobert, like that does not automatically make him a good wing defender,
0: no. like
1: just because. Just,
0: no, Kat If Lonnie
1: Walker's afraid to attack the paint, it's not because Carlinton Towns is in front of him. It's because behind him, right. the Stifle tower is waiting
0: yeah, for that. Cat has not been a good defender since the moment he shook Adam Silver's hand. It really in any aspect. Like he's had seasons where he, he averages a lot of rebounds, which rebounds is parting is part of defense, like that contributes, but guarding the ball, he has never been good in the yeah. NBA.
1: It's weird to see him because he's so flat footed. On defense, but he's so nimble on offense. I don't
0: get it. Yeah, it is. It is really weird, like, how he's able to play on the perimeter offensively, and yet he just looks like an absolute stiff on defense. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, Cat is an all-star, so I guess Sangun could do it. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is an interesting take. I don't know how we got to Sangun. when we were we're talking about Jabari. Um, What what other rookies have stood out to you, though? Is there anyone else on your radar? I think – just strictly off of like the eye test, I think Sharp has been fucking
1: crazy. Mm, I love yeah. Shaden Sharp. Yeah, I don't think um, his numbers
0: look good, but from what I've seen, yeah, he's look, he's been really impressive.
1: His his eye test to me has been awesome. Um, Jimmy Sohan has looked good defensively. It's just, unfortunately, he's got no offensive game, so it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, I loved preseason Terry Eason. Mm-hmm. Loved him. It's just yeah. unfortunate that the best player on their team, he has to play behind. Um, no, like Terry Easton to me, I don't know what he's going to like pan out to be because like he's <laughs> to me, he's not quite a three full, like full on, like he's not like, it's so, it's so weird for me. Cause like, what does he stand at?
0: I believe he's six, eight, he's, he's, he's fully six, eight. I, All right. I believe just like, that's what like, you know, Google will tell you, I believe.
1: Church- true 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 he looked he, to me he kind of looks like he's like 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 six seven six six but yeah either way he um has to play behind jabari which is just unfortunate because like you're gonna get what like he's played what like maybe 15 minutes a game there so, somewhere around there yeah, not, not a ton of run.
0: yeah i had to yeah. drop him off my fantasy team he wasn't putting up numbers yeah dropping off. your fantasy team's been dropping off since day one all right anyways all right.
1: <laughs> um and let it let it be known out there let it be known out there and i'll, I'll say it so nobody else can say it before me I packaged Devin Booker, Jalen Smith, and Kuzma for Drew Holiday, Andrew Wiggins, and Christian Wood. And let me tell you, the flack I caught—like, I don't know how they're hating from outside of the club. They can't even get in. Hmm. They can't stand to me, my team. I am the deepest team in the league, and I'll stand by that. Like, if hmm. my if my worst player is goddamn Kelly Oubre, who's doing crazy runs for Charlotte, I don't want to hear it. Anyways, um, Jake. I don't want to butcher his last name. I'm pretty sure it's... LaRavia. LaRavia from Memphis? <gasps> the dude is a sniper! Yeah, yeah, he can play, like, man. He can like, play. Oh, my For God. Sure. He, he does not look like... And I don't mean, like, if he ever hears this, which he probably will never, <laughs> but if he ever hears he probably this... probably will. You look like the least NBA player I've ever seen in my entire life. You look like you'd be, like, cashing me out at a Best Buy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I you're think... out here fucking... Oh, man.
0: Yeah, he definitely he definitely makes the short list. There's
1: not really much else I could say for rookies because like coloco has been great, but the numbers aren't there. Like he's been good as an energy piece, but he's just like you got to get more NBA runs in you, dog. Right, right, right.
0: Yeah, we I mean, were only six games in. There's only so much that you know this rookie class can show us. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, th- I think we hit the major highlights. So I want to move to a player that you know we both you know feel strongly about is very underrated across the league uh someone that if he wasn't on the team that he was on would be unanimous unanimously an all-star caliber player. But I mean, I think he has, you know, all NBA potential this season, but a lot of people don't even really talk about him as an all-star. And that's Shea Gilders Alexander. I mean, what this guy does with the ball in his hands is really unlike anything I've ever seen. Like I'm not saying he's the best player I've ever seen the ball in his hands, but the way that he's able to blow by people, like the shiftiness that he has is just so unique. Like, no one can stay in front of this dude. He is
1: the black Steve Nash, like he said.
0: Yeah, I mean, he really is. And he's six five with a huge wingspan. And, yeah, I mean, he really doesn't have a hole in his game. That, that's really what I've been thinking about these last few days. Is like, sure, like, his effort on defense could be better, but he's also on, like, the poster child for a rebuilding team in the NBA. He, Here like,
1: is my favorite part about Shea Gildas Alexander. The moment OKC starts winning games... The entire NBA community
0: will be riding him. Yep, that's why I'm getting on it early. That's why I, made, I had to make a post about it. I wanted to get in front of it because I felt like, just from seeing, you know, I follow a ton of other like uh, Instagram pages to talk about basketball. Like seeing where other people rank him, seeing the way that people talk about other guards in the league, like I say, like a Donovan Mitchell or or Darius Garland, something like that. He SGA does not get nearly the type of respect for the talent that he actually is because, you know, like you said, as soon as they start winning games everyone's going to be talking about him as you know all-star starter all nba type of guy he is that right now regardless of how many games okc wins he is easily one of the premier young talents in the league in my opinion
1: i know my our our good friend uh cuck supply or (laughs) josiah cook um can attest that i at one point i said Shea could be an mvp level player If he was on a team that started winning games Mm -hmm. and the fact that right now, so we're early, this is, this is take this with a huge grain of salt, but he's putting up 31, 6.8 and five. He is absolutely destroying teams, getting to the rim at will. And the, the, the real kick in the nuts is that their potential second best player is out for the entire season. Mm -hmm. Could you imagine a team that has Chet Holmgren, who I will stand by my like previous prediction. If Chet was playing, he would be the front runner for the for the uh, rookie of the year. Like I'm just putting that out there. You're you have a team that has Shea Giddy and Chet. That three right there, with how young and how good they are, is just mind boggling to me. Yeah. Like I, I love Lou Dort. Like he's he's a nice little cherry on top. But imagine yeah. they imagine they go into this draft. And they get Scoot. Imagine they do that. Or Imagine what they go I've been into this draft.
0: About, what I've been thinking about is if they get one of the Thompson twins, primarily Amen Thompson, because yeah, yeah, I, I don't know how much there. you've watched of them, but I th- I think they have a chance, a chance to be special. Yeah, And Scoot, obviously, like I think like, Scoot is definitely going to be special. But yeah, I think OKC is building a team full of size, just like oversized ball handlers. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Amen Thompson is. So, I mean, I guess scoot is probably more a reliable shooter at this point but. well
1: because here's what i would do if i'm okay see i would just find me a forward because i don't need another guard because like gideon shabe like as as big yeah, as they are, are handlers, those yeah. are your ball handlers so i mean like Emma thompson yeah like it's 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 he's such a like, yeah i
0: guess it does become too many cooks in the kitchen because it, are it like would to
1: become too mean. much but you know like Derek whitehead dylan mitchell i think uh the guy from Arkansas I can't remember his Nick name
0: Smith, right Nick Smith. right I I'm like Nick just barely dipping there. my toe into like the the class but like I obviously you know Vic and Scoot we all know them and then I've watched like some of the Thompson twins college basketball hasn't started yet so I only kind of like know the names of a lot of these guys I don't really watch high school so like yeah I don't know a ton about the draft class but it does seem like there's a lot of like intriguing talents so mm-hmm. yeah if OKC can add someone on the wing or like the forward spot that Honestly, I was going to say that brings some like athleticism, but I think what they really need is like a knockdown shooter because like Shay is a capable shooter, but Giddy, that's not really his game. Dort is okay. And then Chet, like we don't really know yet. Chet shot the ball pretty well, you know, at Gonzaga in, in his like high school career, but I definitely think they could use someone that just helps space the floor for uh, SGA and Giddy. So, yeah, all in all, I think OKC has a really bright future, you know, led by Shea. Obviously, you know, Chet has to get healthy. But, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm right there with you that I do think he would be one of the frontrunners for Rookie Year this year if he was healthy. So, yeah, OKC's got a bright future.
1: Yeah. Speaking of bright futures, uh, the team that was supposed to be tanking the hardest and fastest for Victor, the Utah Jazz, uh, have emerged as like an actual good team. Like, unironically good, like scarily good. And uh it's funny because everybody and their grandmother was like, you know, the moment that they got uh Markinen and Sexton from Cleveland was just like this. They were just like, okay, yeah, so they're the tank commanders now, because mm. Markinen was kind of due to ass cheeks and sexton, who knows how long like like how good he would be on the side of it. Um so the Jazz as a team are just all over the place. Like you've got like like yeah you've got like sexton and Markinen and then you've got like clarkson and olinnick and conley and Vanderbilt and beasley and
0: tallahort and tucker which who knows yeah what it's it's on a on. it's a real rotation
1: yeah like it's like it actually makes sense like tht i i threw his name in there but i like
0: yeah yeah, yeah i mean <laughs>
1: but it's like and like um beasley i think is on there malik beasley's still there yeah yeah so it's like it's it's such an interesting team because you've got like players who will get like minutes on like actual regular season rotations (laughs) coming out and just like battering teams. Like I, if you would have told me that this uh, Utah jazz team would have come out of the gate with Laurie Marketing their best player and would be the third seed right now. I would say, I told you so about the marketing thing, (laughs) but the Utah jazz being the third seed right now, first of all, Portland, Utah, and San Antonio were not the teams that I expected to be.
0: Right. right, you're right. Running.
1: Honestly. Like I saw that and I was just like, what year are we in again? Like, what? Are we talking like Stockton and Jazz? No? <laughs> okay. All right. It's just such a nice change of pace because it's not um they're winning by first of all, being better shooters as a team than everyone else. Like right, yeah, my, my God. On this team. But they're also they, they win by um, being a collective. Everybody mm. pitches in. Everybody seems to want to win as a unit. And yeah. it's so much more interesting to see guys like Markkinen, for example, be as good as they are with just a change of scenery. Because when he was drafted in Chicago and everyone was like, oh, it's the next, Chris stops. Like He's going to be another unicorn. He's going to stretch the floor, blah, blah, blah. And he was decent, but he wasn't like living up to that hype. And then he goes to Cleveland and things just sort of like derail, like his value kind of plummets. Everyone's like, "Uh, I mean, like, yeah, he's more. squeezed into a a
0: weird role though. They had him playing basically the three full time.
1: Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's not, he's, he's a mobile enough guy to have stretches of being on the wing, but I think his, his best is working as that in-betweener who bangs within that like nine to 16 feet range right he's definitely, he he's definitely he's definitely a front court player yeah and it's 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 a nice change of pace for that what i will say though is that um he has been like a surprising presence on the boards too mm. like he's pulled down i think he's been in double digits the past or like around there like 9 10 11 whatever yeah the past couple of games and it's been like a very steady 20 plus point outing double doubles back and forth and i, I it's really interesting his, it's his best like stretch in his career, obviously, but I think it's like the most comfortable he's ever looked.
0: Yeah, totally. And, and, and you can tell he's like building off of what he did at Eurobasket.
1: Yeah. Oh, for Finland, he looked insane. And now he's like taking that with him. It's just unfortunate that like Utah as a whole probably doesn't want to be good right now. Mm-hmm. They probably don't. So I think a lot of this is probably going to waste for not waste because that's a bad way to look at it, but I think a lot of it is going to a season that's not going to amount to much for them because that's not yeah. what their goal is.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't think Yeah, you know, what you said earlier about how it's it's a collective and they really all pitch in together. So it makes me think that, you know, obviously what are they five and one right now? Six and one? Uh six and two. Six and two. Yeah. Like I don't think that pace is sustainable, but I think how competitive they are night to night against any given team is sustainable as long as they keep like the Mike Conleys and the Malik Beasley's on this roster because there's a legit nine man rotation. Like you listed it off. Like they have quality guys up and down the the roster. So yeah, this is a team that could definitely sneak in as like the 10 seed in the West, given how bad the Lakers look right now. Like, I think there's not counting the jazz or the Spurs. I think there's nine good teams in the West. And then you got like the Lakers and it looks like it's going to be the jazz competing for that 10 spot. So they can either go that way where, you know, they, they squeeze every ounce of talent out of this roster for whatever reason. Or, you know, they have to get rid of a lot of these vets to actually be in like the lottery odds.
1: Yeah. And with with teams like OKC, who will at any point be like, oh, looks like shay has got an ankle tweak. He's going to mm-hmm. be out for three to four weeks. Like with teams who are willing to just go the extra mile for tanking. If I'm Utah and I have all these picks, I'm probably looking to do like I'm probably looking at Laurie and being like, all right. You might be, like, the guy who's the building block going forward. Maybe we keep sexing around see what goes on. But I try to maintain the trajectory for Scoot and Victor, uh, like, as a whole. Like, I-, I don't care if you have to say that um marketing has a migraine and will now have to miss the flight for the next two away games. Like, I don't know what you want to do, but it seems like they're too good out of the gate for you to just start tanking right away you gotta if if you honestly want to do this season and go for that play-in spot go ahead it'd be good for the culture but i think mid-season you kind of want to move Conley. you kind of right. want to hold on to vanderbilt as much as Veld as much as you can clarkson they extended which makes no sense to me if they were going to trade him yeah um,
0: yeah i don't know he seems to be like really comfortable there like there's like when he signed that extension there was quotes of him like saying how much he loves the city and things like that so yeah, I mean I do think certain te- like rebuilding teams do need certain vets around. Like it can't just be all like 20-year-olds on your roster. But yeah, uh Yeah,
1: you kind of and that like that no felt offense. like their best
0: that felt like their best trade chip honestly. And now you know, I don't I don't see he definitely doesn't have the same amount of value I feel like after this extension.
1: No, I like previously I would have put his value like like again, you know, six man of the year. Dude's just an absolutely ridiculous like score off the bench. But now with that extension, it seems like he's, if he were to be moved, it would probably have to be for like, just a guy you take, like a young guy, you take a flyer on and like Mm -hmm. salary fill, which is not the trade I'd make if I'm Utah, but it might be the trade that you, you like, you don't have a choice about, I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird team because they're not supposed to be doing, they're not supposed to start off six and two.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Clarkson, like you can keep him around and still be a bad team. I mean, he's not carrying you to thirty-nine wins or whatever. But yeah, I mean, you talk about him, Mike Conley. uh, I think Beasley is is a big trade chip for them. I think all those guys got to go if they're gonna if they're not gonna try to go for the ten seed. Which you know, like you said, good for the culture, but long term for this franchise, it's not the move. Any team that's like competing for like the edges of the plan tournament, there's no sense in being a a thirty-six win team, a thirty-two win team. Like, if you're going to be in the lottery, you need to be as far down the bottom as you possibly can. Especially yeah, like that is always the case. You know, you don't want to be an NBA purgatory, but especially this season, there's no sense in getting the the eighth pick, ninth pick.
1: Yeah, I will say that um, it whatever team manages to figure out their uh, tankathon projections properly is in for a very sweet, sweet, sweet surprise with how slink sneaky good some of these teams are. I think a team like OKC who at the beginning of the season was like, oh shit, we got to compete with like Indiana and Houston and 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 the Spurs and all these teams that in Utah, all these teams that want to tank, and now they're sitting there looking at these teams acquire wins early in the year and be like, ha, 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 uh uh giddy, you take your time, bro. Take <laughs> your time getting back. Cuz the worst thing you could do is to start the season go on a little win streak and then have to make up losses mid-season exactly. when all of the teams right. are either deciding which route to take because there's a bunch of teams that could just p- press the reset button like come the the trade deadline kind of thing and the last thing you want to do is be like I have to make up 15 wins between now and the all-star break because these teams are three seeds below me right I th- right i think i think what people are going to see is the teams who are on the fence about hitting the reset commit to it really hard this season Yeah. I think, I think we
0: might see, see that a little bit earlier than usual. Yeah. I think the free
1: agent class coming up is enough, uh, enough alone for people to be like, okay, you know what? If I hit the reset button now, if I take on salary and then shed it for next season, like I can put myself in a better spot than worrying about squeaking out, maybe like a, a play in spot kind of thing, just off the rip. You do have guys who are, I like to say it's a quality free agent class because it is, it is. But like, you know, like if you were interested in going after like Freddie or Gary Trent Jr. Or like Coos or like, like, like there, there's like, there's a good collection of young ish guys who are not in their prime yet to grab. And then, you know, like God knows what happens with Kyrie, Chris tops, right, Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's definitely names out there.
1: There's names out there. And if you are like willing to take a swing on, trying to get some of these guys like in your corner while you're doing the reset. And then you get a, a, like a context changing rookie on like in the off season for the draft. Like, I think a lot of teams who are like teetering on that edge of that 11, nine to seed area. I'd be like, you know what? fuck it, let's just do it. Let's commit to the rebuild. Cause if I, if, if I was a team, like, I think a good example is the Charlotte Hornets who have no idea what the fuck they're doing yes i think if i am charlotte and i really want to just say i just need a little extra juice for this tank marathon you know i need i need a little something something i would just be like all right what's the best what's the best young pick associated offer i can get for rosier you know what's the best i can get for hayward uh how many minutes could i possibly squeeze out for maladin like
0: yeah make him the tank commander yeah
1: yeah make like like i don't know i feel like this offseason is going to be like a huge shift in culture for teams who are like even this this trade deadline who are like unsure of this upcoming because this upcoming draft has a lot of question marks at the top um because there's not a lot to go off of other than the fact that we know scoot is going to be a a great like i i honestly think that scoot's going to be better than people are giving him credit for but at the same time you've got victor who is God's next gift to basketball (laughs) and the things that he's doing at his height, with his frame, with his size, it's unheard of. So you have every right. If you're a non-playoff team right now to really be like, do I hit the button? Yeah. Do I get a guy who potentially not just could be franchise altering, but could be altering for the next decade. And I think that's a legit question. You have to ask yourself if you're a team right now and you're unsure, like, honestly, if you're a team who in the the dog days of your conference like do you think and you're like well i mean like i love my boy i, I love what's going on in sacramento but like you really got to think you're like man should i should i move sabonis should i should i move him for a better chance at getting a better pick you could you could this one's like a stretch and like don't take any of this to like heart but if you're a team like washington and you're like fuck me, man. Like I would really be good to get like a top five pick in this draft. Yeah. Let me like get some feelers out for what's going on with Beal. Like who's, who's interested in here kind of thing, because there's, there's, there's enough quality players around the league that could be on a trading block come the trade deadline for those teams who are not going to make the playoffs guarantee and are like, Oh, let's just see what happens. See what I can get.
0: Yeah. The wizards to me are like, they're interesting because I feel like they're the most stuck in the middle team. In the league, because even like a team like the Hornets, who have been either the nine or the 10 seed for the last four seasons, um, it feels like they could pretty easily, you know, blow it up. You know what I mean? So the Wizards, I mean, I I don't think they should have ever extended Beal. But yeah, I mean, now, like if they start off, if it's like, you know, December and they're, you know, toiling down around 10, they should absolutely move Beal. Yeah. That's and I, and I don't want
1: to be the negative Nancy about it, but like
0: Beal, no, but that's a team that needs a real franchise player. As much as I think Beal is an elite scorer in this league, he's not. He's not a franchise guy in my mind. Like he's no. not a top twenty talent. He's not. Not. I would hesitate to like say he's top thirty guaranteed in the league. So yeah, that's a team that just needs a reset. That needs a new franchise centerpiece to build around. So yeah, I, I'm gonna have my eye on them as a potential blow it up team
1: there's not a there's not another team that i'm like ah uh, you know what they probably need
0: to just like completely
1: quit on any aspirations they have for playoffs and everything because like there's there are teams like like i, I don't know it, it's still very low, I, I think but... you're right
0: yeah i think the wizards are the one team that stands out is like what are they doing over any other yeah. team like even the rebuilding teams like it feels like for the most part they have some sort of direction they have like their building blocks mm-hmm. um but yeah the wizards do stand out as one team that- kind of don't really have a clear direction. But I think it goes to show like how great the league is right now. You know, like basically every single team is is competitive on every night. So,
1: yeah. I yeah. think I think now of all times it's great to be somebody who don't get me wrong, it's it's like you should always like be in someone's corner, but I think now of all times it's super easy to just be a casual NBA fan because there's so much quality throughout the league. There's mm-hmm. so much um like you're getting such good general general entertainment and that's the other thing is like you're you're no longer because before i like last year i'll be completely honest with you there were some games where i'm like why the fuck would i want to watch the pistons and the pacers play each other why yeah. would i care yeah this is one of the few years where i'm like oh okay yeah, maybe yeah it, it it it's to hard it. to
0: find a matchup that you that i don't have any interest in watching you know what i mean i'm sure by the time we get to the second half of the season teams are like really tanking but right now like every team is exciting in some fashion
1: yeah in in some way shape or form i'm i'm like moderately invested in majority of the games right and that's the for the first time in a while
0: yeah i mean i think it, it just goes to show the talent in the league and just where the nba is at right now but uh yeah i think with that we can probably wrap this one up it feels like we talked about basically every team so <laughs> shout out to us thank you guys for listening i uh, appreciate all the support make sure you guys leave a like to follow subscribe and I will be back soon with another episode. I'm going to have a friend on to talk about the Hawks team that, you know, obviously made a lot of changes. And we're going to talk about all that. So, Mitch, thank you for coming on. Make no sure problem. you give Mitch a follow at Hoops Dissection. Uh, still waiting on some new content, but I know it'll when come, it comes it'll out. It'll come. I know when it comes out, it's going to be an absolute banger. So make sure you go follow him. Mitch, thanks again for coming on. And we'll be back soon.
1: No you guys
0: have a good night. <laughs>